What more can one say? This is game seven. everyone welcome back to this very first ever playoff edition of the little hockey podcast i'm calling it a playoff because it's basically playoff hockey the nhl is calling it playoff hockey even if the player stats won't go towards it so we're just going going with the flow here as always welcome i'm keegan i'm here with my brother jordan we mainly talk oh sorry jordan Uh, hey everybody (laughs) uh we mainly talk about sends and leaps uh, but because of everything going on, we've kind of branched out and started talking about just hockey in general. And from there, we're just going to jump right into some things. Uh, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Little Hockey Pod. Um, we'll go over everything else with that at the end of the show, as always. But for now, let's talk about things. So, Jordan, after the first day of playing games yesterday on August 1st, how was you- your bracket looking so far um so far i i think i'm doing a little bit better than you right now um i you know it, it's only one game but uh, i think the blackhawks my my choice of the blackhawks is looking pretty strong um the uh the canadians managed to upset the penguins last night um in overtime so that was a little bit of a shocker and the Hurricanes beat the Rangers, and the Hurricanes looked good doing it. It was crazy watching them. They were they looked awesome. Um, and then the Islanders beat the Panthers two one. Uh, and also there was the uh, the Flames beating the uh, the Jets as well. And that that one's got a little bit of uh, other things going on. It seems like there's a lot of drama surrounding that series right now. But uh, yeah, I'm feeling all right so far. Like it. Like we talked about uh, last episode, we kind of figured that there were going to be some upsets or some, uh, you know, just close series. But so far, I, I think I'm feeling pretty good with my picks. What about you? Uh, Carolina is making me feel a little shaky about my Rangers pick, not going to lie, because they, uh, they, they just dominated that entire game. Yeah. There was at no point in that game were they not in control, and at no point in that game did they not look like the better team. They were just absolutely incredible. Mrazek did a lot better than I was expecting him to do. Also, props to Lundqvist. He looked like he was back to old King Henrik, which is really nice to see. But, like, Panarin was almost invisible. Zabanajad had a fantastic game, but he seemed like he was the only one in a white jersey that did. And it's that one's got me nervous. I'm not too nervous about Penguins in Montreal. Um, I, I still think the Penguins should win. I will not, even if Montreal wins game two, I'm not putting it past the Penguins for it to be out of the realm of possibility that they win three in a row. The Penguins are just that good. Uh, as for the Islanders in Florida, I was right, so I have no complaints, or at least I'm right so far. And for the Jets in Calgary, I just, 
I tried watching that game and fell asleep after like the first period. I saw the drama and everything that happened with the Mark Shifley, which we'll get into a bit later. But like the stats will say that I'm apparently wrong, but I'm still feeling pretty confident about all my predictions so far. Uh, We'll see how today goes. There's the other three series. Like as we record this, Arizona and our Nashville are just starting the second period and it's three, one Arizona. Yeah. So that's uh, not looking too good for us. And the, and the Bruins and Flyers are about to start. Like, I'm, I'm looking at Halak is starting. So that's kind of interesting that uh, they're going with Halak instead of Rask for the first game here. Well, I heard that they're going to try and save Rask for the actual playoffs, right? Because these are just seeding games, right? Yeah, they- exactly. Like, there, there's not a ton that they lose out on apart from... Position. Yeah, and really, like, with these top four teams, it kind of makes sense to try to lose out and potentially play, like, a 12th-ranked team. An easier opponent. Yeah, like the, you, you do risk the fact that, like you know, it could very well be if Boston finishes fourth, they could be playing Pittsburgh in the first round, which isn't ideal for them. But be you a know, damn the, good series. Though. Yeah, if they finish third, they could end up against the Rangers, and they probably match up pretty well against them. Now, I although I, it, a... if I was the Bruins, I'd be just like, oh no, let's finish first and uh, let's play the Leafs in the first round because that. That's basically a, a buy for them to the second round. <laughs> well, apparently they have to go through seven games, though, which is always tough on the team. Yeah, exactly. It's a seven-game buy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with that, um, there is some other stuff that we wanted to touch on before we get too in-depth with the playing rounds and all the other series. Um, and that is this weird shenanigan and just borderline shit show that's been going on during the anthems. Yeah, it uh, like I, I I don't know how much you have to say about it, Keeks. Uh, that was just something that I tossed in because I've been kind of like I've been thinking on it for a few days now, and it it I I didn't get to see any of the anthems today. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I think a lot of people are already know what our thoughts or at least my thoughts on this will be. Um, but it, it's just something that I've seen a lot of um, a lot of talk about on Twitter and social media. So. Um, for, for the people that didn't watch the uh, exhibition games um, or aren't watching any of the other professional sport leagues that are going on right now. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a re- I don't know if response is the right word or if, if it's, it's just kind of a tie in to all of the social unrest stuff that's been going on since uh, the death of George Floyd a few months ago. And the way that um, like uh, the NBA and MLB are handling um, their their players wanting to uh, to voice their um, support for the Black Lives Matter movement is a lot different than what the NHL was doing a few days ago, and it's still very different from what they're doing today. Uh, so in the NBA, they're letting their players put whatever they want, like whatever kind of social justice. Uh, message on the back of their uniforms so instead of their their names it's you know whatever some guys have like uh, black lives matter or um i think kyle lowry on the raptors has education reform where his name would normally be and a lot of the players i believe are kneeling during the anthems uh or uh in the wnba the women's league 
uh, their players are just leaving the court when the anthems start playing. So they're, they're just not even going to be out there for them. And then with uh, major league baseball, like they're, they're allowing their players to just take a knee. Uh, I think in the blue Jays game earlier this week or last week, um, both teams linked arms and knelt during the whole anthem. Um, and then the way that the NHL decided to do things was to get all of their players on both teams to stand together and stand throughout the anthems. And they mixed up their message by tying it into the social justice um, as well as honoring um, frontline workers. So it was a really, really muddy message that they were trying to get across with this. And uh, it kind of came to a head a couple of days ago when Eric Trump um, retweeted uh, or he just tweeted out saying thanks to the NHL for standing during the anthem and not kneeling or whatever. And that's and totally it, someone that you want to be oh, yeah, like associated with, right? Exactly. Like, fuck. Um, so, yeah, it, it was just the, the absolutely predictable outcome of the whitest sport in North America. The whitest professional sport in North America uh, does the least clear thing to support or, you know, um, yeah, the, the least clear thing to uh to try to tie themselves into the uh the black lives matter movement and then it got co-opted by you know the fucking the nazi family in charge down south (laughs) it it yeah it, it was just a total shit show after that like people were already like yelling and screaming like none of these players have any courage like to me it looked like it was a league thing where they're the league told all of the players quietly again like this is just my assumption of from what i've seen that the league said hey look we're going to be doing other things to try to um support this movement so just make sure that like you guys you don't have to do your protest during the anthem and that made their messaging really unclear to the fans and to the trumps obviously so it, it it's it's just it was a dumb, shitty idea. Just let, if players want to kneel, let them kneel. If you don't want them to kneel during the anthems, how about you don't have the anthems playing at sporting events? There's no, there's no point to it in 2020. There's no reason to have it there. So if yeah, you're here, half, yeah. half the players aren't even from Canada or the States anymore, right? Yeah, like exactly. It's such an international sport now that you don't need, like I, I understand uh, that's where they're playing, right? Like they're playing in, like say Pittsburgh, and one team's from Toronto. Yeah, sure. The the nat, quote unquote national anthems for those cities would be America and Canada, but that wouldn't be the players. Yeah, like, exactly. If like look at like say Ilya Mikheyev in Toronto, you think he gives a flying fuck about the Canadian national anthem being played at every game he's at? Yeah, and you know, to be fair, I don't give a flying fuck about the Canadian national anthem being played or the U.S. national anthem. Like, they're they're symbols, and I have no time for symbols. Those they're just, yeah. It, also, also it, sorry, it, it, just it, on it, on that note, on yeah. that note, because I know people are going to say something about it. The Olympics is different. Sure, the Olympic the, the Olympics the, the is Olympics. different because they are representing their nation. Yeah. But they can still protest if they want. Oh, 100%. I'm not saying they can't or they, protest. Or they should, they should be allowed to, even like if 
the uh, International Olympic Committee really doesn't like it. But yeah, like I, I've honestly, if grown adults are getting so uptight about the national anthem or the flag or whatever, it's like, no, you know what, fucking, how about you care about people a little bit more than fucking symbols? Um, symbols are just you, powerful people tell us to give symbols power so that they can use it so that yeah so that they can manipulate us it's it's tools that powerful people use to uh keep everybody else quiet and keep the status quo going so it's uh yeah well the the long and short of things for me um the anthems shouldn't be played at sporting events because there's no reason for it and if they are going to be played then you can't yell about uh, players taking knees and making your sport political. Uh, you made it political by having an anthem and supporting the anthem there and by constantly supporting um, the armed forces and police at your sporting events. Those things make it political. These other people are just reacting to that. And finally, the last thing I want to say on it is uh, Matt Dumba, his speech before the game was really, really good. It was super powerful and uh, emotional uh it just sucks that he had to be the only one out there doing it and kind of what happened after he gave his speech is what drove home my my thought that the league said if you're a player in uniform you can't take a knee or you shouldn't take a knee or we don't want you to because malcolm suban and uh, darnell nurse two guys that were playing in the game and in uniform stood next to matt dumba and they put his hands on his on his shoulders but uh, they didn't. They didn't take a knee or anything. So that that was kind of that 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 kind of um, made made me consider that maybe it's like a league, a quiet league policy right now. Um, but obviously, I've got no way of knowing for sure. That's just what I'm inferring and kind of making an assumption about just based on what I've seen and what I kind of think might go on behind closed doors, which I have no real actual evidence of. <laughs> Plus, just basic prediction on the past of how the NHL has certain has handled certain delicate situations, which yeah. this really honestly shouldn't be some, a quote unquote delicate situation. It, there's a clear stance you should be taking on it. Yeah. Exactly. And the NHL isn't. Yeah. They didn't, t- they didn't take a clear stance. So then the, their stance they had got co-opted by, uh, by the wrong people. And then they had to scramble to try to figure out, Oh, how do we make our message more clear? but still without doing that thing we don't want our players to do. It's, again, great sport, shit league. Yeah, exactly. But I will give props to Matt Dumba. That, like, hockey players are notorious for being very to themselves, and they don't like being in the public eye and making big political announcements or getting too involved in touchy situations like this. Like, hockey is notorious for that. These yeah. guys just want to show up, play hockey, go home, which I can understand. But as a professional player at the highest level in North America, you have certain responsibilities, whether you yeah. like it or not. And, and yeah, Matt- they, they have the platform and the, the, the ability to do it. And it, it just sucks that it was up to him to do it on his own. Um, especially Good on him for doing it, though. Yeah, like it, it took a lot of guts for him to do it. It took a lot of courage. And like you sp- said, especially because the players don't like doing that kind of thing, putting themselves out there like that. It's uh, it, that kind of tells you how important it is to him um, that, that he, w- he would put himself out there like that. But it also sucks because like, he, he's got a game tomorrow that he's 
got to prepare for. So not only did like he, he's adding this um, pregame speech on top of all of his other preparation stuff that he's going through. And like, it may not seem like a lot to a lot of us, but consider if you've got like this gigantic public speech you've got to make um, that you've never done anything like it before. You're going to do it on live TV in front of potentially millions of people around the world on a very important uh, social justice topic. And at the same time, you're also like, oh, but I also have to keep doing all of my regular work stuff because I've got, I've got to perform on Monday. So it's, uh, it, 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 was, it was a really tough situation to put him into. And then he came out of it um, having done like really, really well. And you know what, even if his speech didn't go really well, if he was like stumbling and stuttering and stuff, he still would have gotten all of the praise for it because it was a really difficult thing to do and it was a difficult situation to be in. And he shouldn't have been forced or he shouldn't have been in that position to begin with because the league should have handled this better from day one. Yeah. All right. How are you even holding that in? Oh, yeah. Like I, for a few days now, like I've just been sitting and, and stewing on it. I've, all right, I've got to find our outline here. What? All right, what's up on our? All right, we wanted to do a uh, a preview of the Leafs and Columbus game. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, and uh, Leafs and Columbus they're going to start up. Uh, they've got a game at eight o'clock tonight. So, um, Keegs, what have you heard? What do you think is going to happen? Who do you think is going to win? What's going to? Uh, what's, yeah, is t- Nick tell Robinson the listeners playing? what's happening. Is Nick Robertson playing? Do we Nick know? Robertson is playing tonight. Okay, so who's sitting then? Goche? Um, no, I think it I think it's Engvall. Okay, I figured it'd Typ- be one typically of them. in practices, Engvall has been the odd man out when Robertson's in. Cause just from watching the exhibition game, that kid looks pretty friggin' good. Like, like yeah. the Leafs during that uh, exhibition game against Montreal back on July twenty eighth. The Leafs looked like they, they had, they had the right mentality. They said this is unprecedented times, which gives them a very unique opportunity to do something really special here. They seemed like they were focused, and they seemed like they, they came ready to play and ready to win. So that's encouraging. Um, I didn't watch the Columbus exhibition game. I don't even know who they played against, to be honest. They played Boston and they beat them like four one. Yeah, but was Boston trying? Yeah, that's kind of uh, the thing. That's kind of the thing about that. Yeah, like who knows how seriously Boston was taking the exhibition games um, or really the seeding round games. I It kind of seems like they're going to go with um, resting some of their top players through the seeding round. And then they're just not really concerned about who they play in the first round. Why would they? They're the best team in the league. Yeah, yeah. But, you know... You, you've been on teams before. Like, there's always a team you would rather match up against or a team that you are like, oh, I don't want to have to face them right away. Um, yeah. May, maybe they've got a little bit more championship uh, pedigree than what I'm used to playing with. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, there, there weren't too many elite-level talents on uh, rural Ottawa house league soccer or... <laughs> Hockey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, house league hockey teams. Although we have had a couple NHL players make it out from here, like Calvin well, DeHaan. Well, I yeah, no, I'm just saying in my own personal athletic experience. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. go ahead. 
no, no, they, that's uh, basically the end of my thought there. Okay, I'm just to bring it back to the Leafs and Columbus quickly. It's just I I don't know Columbus very well. Um, everything that I've heard is that they're a team that plays really hard and they always give the Leafs fits for whatever reason. So I'm in. I'm really excited to watch this. It's just again the Leafs having the firepower that they had and seeing how focused they were in that exhibition game just makes me think they're showing up and they're showing up to win. They're showing up to steamroll and make goalies lives hell for however long they're in these playoffs for. And by the looks of it, if they keep it up, they could be in for a while. Yeah, they could be, they could potentially make a deep run. Like that's the thing with the Leafs. Like, Honestly, if the Leafs get out of the qualifying, if they like eliminate um, Columbus and make it into the actual playoffs, the Leafs have a really good chance of going deep. But they've also got a really, really good chance at getting eliminated by Columbus and uh, and um, you, you know um, staying up, hoping for that first overall pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, it. it it, it honestly could go either way. If uh, if the Leafs forwards are firing on all cylinders and they're like the team is playing pretty responsibly defensively, like n- not above their capability or like surprising anybody. If it's just like yeah, the Leafs defense is fine. Yeah, and uh, like if if Freddie and if yeah if Freddie Anderson is fine to good, then I think the Leafs win this series against Columbus. And then I think that they give any other team they play against fits. Like their Leafs are going to be a hard out if those things go right. And honestly, like Freddie could very well play fine or great. And the forwards are in all likelihood going to be firing on all cylinders because they usually are. It's going to be up to the defensive play of the team, whether or not they can uh, do any damage in this qualifying round and into the playoffs afterwards. I'm just – I'm excited to watch. I watched part of, if not every game yesterday. Oh, yeah. I was, I was going to ask you how much of the games did you watch. I got to this uh, – so we're installing a pool at my place. So me, mom, and dad were out working on that for most of the morning and into the early afternoon, and then it got too hot. So I came in, and I caught the third period of the Carolina Rangers game. I watched the entire Islanders and Florida game. Um, yeah, Oof was right. That is not; those are not exciting teams to watch. Yeah, I after the um, hurt. Oh no, shit! What game was in the afternoon yesterday? Um, I think that was the Islanders Florida game, wasn't it? Yeah, the Islanders. Oh, Chicago Edmonton. Yes. I watched all of that one as well. Yeah, I watched all of the Chicago Edmonton game, and then I only switched over to. Uh, the Islanders and Panthers when that game was over. And yeah, I, yeah. Like, it was the last few minutes of the game. I, I tuned in and then the Panthers scored their only goal. And then I don't remember anything else that happened after that. Cause it, yeah, that's not an interesting series. <laughs> um, it really isn't. It, it'll be interesting to see who wins. Um, even though it's almost certainly going to be the Islanders, but uh, I, I'm not going to be tuning into too many of those games. Hmm. Sorry, Yanni. Um, yeah, that's what I was doing for the 15 minutes I watched that boring-ass game. <laughs> the Islanders remind me of the 2016-17 Sens that played that very boring-style oh. trap game. 
where it's like, I'm happy to see my, uh, the team I cheer for win, but at the same time, oh my God, this is watching paint dry on grass. Like, the Edmonton-Chicago game was a friggin' fair. Like, I don't know how to describe that. Like, Kubalik getting five points. Where the hell did he come from? Uh, yeah, it's um, crazy. We were... I didn't I didn't realize that he was a rookie until um, he lit the Leafs up earlier this season. And then they were like, oh, this Kubalik kid, he's something else. And I'm like, I've never heard of him before. Where did he come from? Why is he so good now? Apparently, he never hit 30 goals, even in junior or any of his lower league um, seasons. But then he comes into the NHL, and the first season he's here, he pops in 30. And then in a postseason game, he gets five points. It's oh, crazy. Uh, Arizona just scored 4-1 Arizona over the Preds. Oh, I know. what They couldn't score a goal the entire season, and now they're lighting up the Predators. I don't, I don't understand. Michael Grabner did it. Well, then it was probably shorthanded, wasn't it? A shorthanded, yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah, there we go. Friggin', that's how he gets all of his money, and yeah. that's how that's what he gets paid to do is just score shorthanded goals because he's friggin' one of the fastest guys in the league. All right, we're getting off track here. So, Lee, yeah, Columbus, the first game preview. Um, uh, who scores the first goal of the game? Toronto, and I'm gonna say it's going to be Nylander. Oh yeah, nice. Um, yeah. It, it, I don't know about you, but um, just watching the games yesterday, it seemed to me that almost every game there was a goal scored in the first minute or, or like really, really early on. Yeah, like the Rangers in Carolina, Slavin scored a minute and one second in. Uh, Blackhawks in Edmonton, the first McDavid, goal. Was yeah, McDavid scored on the team minutes. first shot. Yeah. Yeah, which wicked shot. By that was the way. a wicked shot. Yeah. Oh, oh speaking gosh. of wicked shots, do you see that uh, Nick Suzuki goal? I didn't. Okay, it, it, you've got to look it up because it was an absolutely perfect shot. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, he, he beat uh, Matt Murray cleanly over the glove shoulder, but it was absolutely perfect. Matt Murray, he looked like he was squared up fine and he was in the right position. It was just, it, it was an unreal shot. It was so good. I told you, man, with him, this, like, he's going to be a great NHL player real soon. He's got a lot of skill, and he's just getting better and better with every game. It's wild. But I was just looking over the games yesterday. The first goal of the game was scored by the halfway point of the first period in every single game. Yeah, so, like, that's fairly early. Yeah. Um, But, uh, so, yeah, that does kind of say that maybe there's something up with the goalies, that they they don't get to do their normal preparation, or they're they're just not – Well, it's October hockey. Right, yeah, like yeah, I guess that, I guess that's true, and they've only gotten the one exhibition game, and then whatever scrimmages they had in training camp. So yeah, you're you're right. It's it's probably just they're not as prepared as they normally would be, especially for the playoffs after they've been seeing NHL shots for five months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so by the way, if you don't know what October hockey means, it's referring to the start of the season and how most teams don't have their defensive systems in place, and it usually that's when a lot of players are able to pad their offensive stats a little bit because just with the lack of structure, there are a lot of high scoring games. Yeah, absolutely. So Um, when I, when I say October hockey, that's what I mean. There's just not a lot of defensive structure and there's a lot of offensive creativity and finishing. So um, you said that Nylander is going to get the first goal for the Leafs. I'm going to say Matthews. Um, I I know. 
do you think the Leafs score first, or do you just think Matthews will get the Leafs first? I, I think the I think the Leafs score first, and I think Matthews scores. Um, I I'm a little bit I I'm I'm kind of thinking that uh, Columbus takes the first game though. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a hunch, or do you have any reason why? It's just all uh, like a lot of the lower seeded teams or the teams that we're not expecting to win uh, have been winning the first game. And, um, you know, I'm just concerned about uh, if Columbus can get like a, a cycle going in the Leafs zone, the Leafs can't stop the cycle right now. I mean, so far, only two quote unquote underdog teams have won out of yeah. five games. Yeah, the underdog teams have won, but Arizona is beating Nashville right now. Which would make it a third out of six. A third games. one. But then there's also the teams that, like, at least for us, the two of us, and our listeners as well, um, some of the other teams that we expected to win have lost. Like, um, you and the listeners expected the Oilers to win the series and they lost the first game. Uh, we all expected the Rangers to win the series and they lost the first game. Handedly. Yeah. So, in, for, for the most part, and then also Calgary too. We everybody picked Calgary to win or um, uh, Winnipeg to win this series, and Calgary won the first game. Didn't you also pick Pittsburgh to beat Montreal? Yeah, but so yeah, that, that was that was one of the uh, upsets we were talking about there. Oh, okay, sorry, yeah. I just I may have just didn't catch you mention it. My bad. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, so it, there there is a little bit of a theme going on that all the teams that we expect or anticipate to win the series are losing the first game. So, yeah, I think Matthews scores the first goal of the game, but the Leafs lose, and I'll say it's uh, 3-2. See, if that's the case, I expect Matthews to score the second goal to tie it at two because that's just what Matthew does, right? (laughs) Like, Matthews, especially this season, was the guy that the Leafs relied on and could rely on to just get that big goal, especially when they're either tied or down. Yeah, you saw it so many times if the Leafs were down by a goal with like three minutes left, Matthews just didn't leave the ice and they kept feeding him the whole time. And he would score. It was great to see. So many times he would score. Like Um, that's, that's the best five on five goal scorer of the last, however many years he's been in the NHL. Yeah. Like he's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's just one of those guys that thrives in big games and under pressure like that, but just, he has that, X factor that you want and you need in your top player. He just I don't seems, think... he seems determined to win the game himself, which is and in, in the last few minutes of the game, it's if the Leafs can get offensive zone pressure and he's just like, we, we are going to win this game or, or we're going to die trying here, then that's the kind of mentality that gets you deep in the playoffs. Um, and that's the kind of shot that gets you deep in the playoffs. <laughs> it's nasty. That might, it might quite literally be the best wrist shot in NHL history. Oh. So, yeah, what, what do you think the final score of the game is tonight? Who, who's going to win this one? I'm saying I want to believe that Freddie will see steady Freddie, and I want to say that the Leafs will win this 3-1. But I, I have a feeling Columbus is going to get some dirty, dirty goals. And I'm going to say the Leafs win it 4-3. Yeah, you know, as you were talking, I, I was thinking like, oh, 3-2, that's not enough goals for this game tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, just... like, I, I could see this game being, you know, 4-3 or 5-2 
or like six four or something. It, it could go any of those ways. Um, I or one nothing. I don't see it being a one nothing or two one game. I see you- like no. I think that there's going to be at least five goals scored tonight combined. Do you know who's starting for Columbus? Uh, Merz Lickens. It is Merz Lickens, eh? Yeah. That, that's oh. what I keep he- hearing, that Merz Lickens is starting. And I went to go look up his stats to be like, oh, yeah, like, well, what is this guy in his career? And uh, it's tough because his career is the 33 games he played this season. <laughs> um, Corpus Allo got confirmed to start. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Corpus Allo is starting shit. All right. Yeah. Hmm. Or at least that's what the, the score app is telling me also i'm looking at the head-to-head comparisons between leafs and columbus the leafs are better than columbus in goals per game shots per game oh sorry no not shots per game that's one thing that columbus has over leafs leafs have goals per game power play percentage penalty kill percentage penalty minutes face-off percentage goals shots on goal shooting percentage face-offs friggin columbus oh columbus is better with goals allowed though they have allowed the third least amount of goals this year. I did not know that. Columbus allowed the third least? Yeah, as in, like, they yeah, are the they, third best defensive team in the league. Yeah. That's scary. They're, I pre- had, they're pretty oh. stingy. They also have the um, – oh, jeez. Columbus and Toronto are second and third in least amount of penalty minutes taken. So don't expect there to be a lot of power plays this game. You say that, but then the refs were also calling like an insane amount of penalties, which honestly I'm fine with. Um, I'm sure once we get into the actual Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, they'll put their whistles away like they always do. But uh, for now, um, I, I'm fine with them calling penalties that are penalties. It's it's when they get into like the the chintzy made up calls or like the there was. Um, there was a slash in one of the games yesterday that I saw, and I was like, you fucking kidding? Like, come on. <laughs> well, did, did you see the two penalty shots that got called in the Pittsburgh-Montreal game? No, I, I didn't. Um, so um, we, um, we had an outdoor, like, barbecue or, um, like, a potluck with some of the neighbors yesterday, a physically distanced one with lots of hand sanitizer and wipes and stuff. But um, <laughs> they, they pulled their TV outside so we could all sit outside and watch the, uh, the games in the evening. And um, yeah, we watched most of the Montreal Pittsburgh game, but then uh, we, uh, we stayed on the Raptors game uh, once it got later into to that. Uh, so we, yeah, we saw the end of the Raptors Lakers game and I, I didn't end up seeing the end of the um, Montreal Penguins game. Uh, if I was the ref, I would not have called either of them a penalty shot. Both of them were definitely penalties though. Because usually a penalty shot only happens if an, a qual if usually a penalty shot only happens if a scoring chance does not happen. As in, yes. the player on the breakaway does not get a clean shot. Both times, both for Connor Sheary on Pittsburgh and Jonathan Durant for Montreal, got clean, good shots off on their breakaway. Okay. The Durant one kind of seemed like a makeup call for the weak Sherry penalty penalty shot call. okay so it wasn't one for each team so yeah that that makes sense but Druens was in overtime oh yeah he completely he lost handle of the puck and didn't even get a shot off on the penalty <laughs> shot which it, yeah See, i know it's kind of funny yeah. connor sheary when he did his in the third period just straight missed the net yeah so like nothing happened but 
I would not have called either of them a penalty shot. There was no debate from either team when either got called, though. They were both just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever, which I was a little surprised at. I, I think a lot of the teams are frustrated by the officiating so far because I think the teams are in a playoff mentality, but the refs are still in like a regular season mentality. And that, yeah. may, that may be instruction from the league on how they want them to call things. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, like I, th- there were a lot of penalties in the, um, the Chicago Edmonton game. Um, oh my God, there were so many. All, but, like, three of Edmonton's four goals were power play goals. Yeah. Honestly, I'd rather them call, I'd rather them call the rule book and call penalties when uh, like, an infraction is made. Um, what drives me nuts in the playoffs is just how they throw the rule book out the window and then they, they, you know, the first half of the game, they're not calling anything. And then the second half, when it's out of control, they're like, all right, let's start calling penalties now because these guys are just doing whatever the hell they want. It's like, well, you know what? If you started calling penalties from the beginning of the game, maybe these guys wouldn't be out of fucking control. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, yeah, it's 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 bullshit, and it's my least favorite part about the playoffs. It's such a dumbass attitude to be like, no, just let the players figure it out. And it's like, no, there are rules for a reason. And you, if the, you don't if see in the Olympics breaks, the rest. Yeah, exactly. You you don't see it in the Olympics being like, oh yeah, that dive was like, you know, they came, they went in kind of sideways, and the splash was big, but uh, you know, it's the gold medal round, so we'll look the other way. It's like, no, fuck, come on. That's the entire point of the sport. That's how you determine who is better. Um, and uh, power plays and penalties are part of the game. So putting your whistle away and not calling shit because it's a playoff game or it's late in a game, it's late in a close game and you don't want to give a team a power play, well, you know what? Maybe if, the other, maybe if that team didn't want to take a penalty late in the game, they shouldn't have tripped that guy or they shouldn't have punched him in the mouth after the whistle. Like, fuck. Those are against the yeah, clearly outlined rules. Yeah, but um, you know, I I do also realize that I'm coming from the perspective of a team that's got a pretty dangerous power play. So it also does definitely help me out and my team out if uh, the rules are called appropriately in the playoffs. You're also coming from a team that got killed by Boston's power play in the last two years, though. That yeah, that's true. I don't really have, like, I'm just trying to think of the officiating. I don't, I saw a lot of, not necessarily inconsistency, but almost like weak calls. And if that's just how it's going to be, that's just going to get old. I find weak calls, I don't actually, I should think about this for a bit. I don't know which is worse between weak calls or missed calls or intentionally missed calls, rather. I don't know which one I would prefer, but. I know I would rather just call the game the way it's meant to be called. And although I do like the idea of just let him play, that's how you have Patrice Bergeron playing with a punctured lung. Yeah. Right? That's how you have players, like, hacking each other in the head with sticks and refs looking the other way. Go look at, like, the early 2000s Detroit Red Wings. They had, like, a quadruple overtime game or something. And I think it's Pavel Dadsuk yes. is just oh, streaking down the, yeah, he's, streaking he's down like the a, ice, and a guy's just like holding on to him. Yeah, and he's just – well, no, it's Datsuk is doing the hooking. Oh, Datsuk's doing the hooking. Okay. Yeah, his feet aren't even moving, and he's got his stick wrapped around the other guy's waist like he's – yeah, like he's going for a goddamn ride. 
and no call no call yeah nothing they're like yeah no sure that's fine that's totally legal but um all right so what i realized uh, i think yesterday was that when we did our predictions on our last episode uh we didn't pick like cup finalists or cup winners or anything uh we just kind of picked the teams that we think were going to uh win the first round yeah win, like we were just kind of uh, focusing on how we were getting to the first round of the actual playoffs but um now with uh, some time to reflect on it and like the first day of games uh first day and a half i guess of games already happened um who do you see making the cup finals so who who's your team from the east and who's your team from the west that you're like this is going to be the, the cup final this year you know who i was really impressed with philly okay i don't know why and I don't know if that's going to mean they're in the cup final, but I was really impressed with Philly and their exhibition game. They played really well against, I think it was, it was either Pittsburgh or Washington. I forget which one. And they just genuinely outplayed them. And I was very taken back. And they're playing right now against Boston. This was a game I wanted to watch. But I think that the team coming out of the East is going to be between Philly and Boston. And if I had to pick, I'm going to say Philly. I, yeah, I'm going to say Philly just because it's 2020 and nothing makes sense. All right, so Philly in the East, and who's your West team? <sighs> yeah. So the, here's the thing. I'm just looking at the games right now that are being played today, and the two teams I was debating on in the East and the two teams I was debating on in the West are both playing each other today. So in the West, I am trying to decide between St. Louis or Colorado. Okay. And... I haven't seen either of them play yet, so I may try to catch that game, actually. But I think I'm going to go with St. Louis again. I think they'll make back-to-back cup appearances. Okay, so your, your final is going to be uh, St. Louis and Philly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I just think St. Louis, with the guys they have and knowing that they might not be together after this season, depending on how contracts go with, like, Petrangelo, I think that they're going to be in a similar, albeit slightly lesser extent, that Chicago is in, like their mindset. Because Chicago is very much in, this could very well be our last chance. And I think they'll put up an adamant run. I don't see them going through everyone in the West. I see St. Louis going through everyone in the West. The only team they are going to have trouble with, and they will for sure have trouble with them if they meet, is Colorado. All right. Ooh. Yeah, I say I say St. Louis and Philly, and fuck it, Philly wins it in six. Okay. Now, yeah, for me, my Cup finalists, um, it's really tough. Like I, I I'm still not a hundred percent sure who I want to take in the East, but um, oh. I've got to pull up my um, my bracket here. It's tough, eh? Because everything is so unorthodox, it's hard. You would think it's just, oh, who has the best players? Them, right? I mean, I guess I kind of did that with St. Louis. But with Philly, it's just – I have a hunch. I just have a hunch that Philly's going to do something this year. And I think they're going to do it on the back of uh, Carter Hart. Philly's going to go as far as Carter Hart takes them. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking through the um 
the qualifying round and like in the east i don't really see anybody from the qualifying round anyway that i think could get to the cup final so it's kind of just leaving me with those top four teams but yeah shit i don't feel super confident in it but i'll say uh tampa makes it to the final it from the east and from the west it's colorado yeah i i think nathan mckinnon is just on another level this year and the fact that he was able to not only just keep the avalanche afloat but keep them dominant he was yeah they were a dominant team during stretches when he was like their only like he, he was their best player and by a mile too like there, there were stretches where they they didn't have uh rantanen and i think landis cog was also injured a few times and didn't Makar, I think, played the whole, like all of their games. But, um, you know, the fact that he, he's a rookie, it, it still didn't take as, as much workload off of McKinnon as, like, his stats may have uh, suggested. But, um, yeah, I just think McKinnon's on another level. And if that whole team is healthy, they're going to be so dangerous. Um, and then Tampa, I, I don't know. I'm going to keep picking them every year to make the finals until – they tear it down and rebuild or until they win it. Um, they're just, they're too good not to have it happen sometime. And it might as well be this year. Um, well, like, like Washington, right? Like Washington didn't win the cup until no one was expecting them to win it. Yeah. So I think that could be a similar case with Tampa, but I'm just looking at the St. Louis roster right now. Um, who would you rather have as your top two center? McKinnon and Kadri or O'Reilly and Braden Shen? Yeah, that's that's tough. Right? Because um, the O'Reilly and Shen are both like incredible offensively, but they're also really, really good defensively. And um they they just can't reach the same levels that um McKinnon can. And to a lesser anyway. yeah, offensively. And then Kadri is just, he's the perfect second line center for um, Colorado. He's a perfect second line center for most teams. Him yeah. and uh, Braden Shen are actually really close in stats. But yeah, I, I think Braden Shen is probably better defensively than Kadri is. I, um, I would agree. But I, I think uh, Kadri has more of an ability to uh, be a game breaker when, when he's needed to be. And with McKinnon on the team, I don't think he Kadri uh, is going to be needed to be as much as like Braden Shen could be needed to be with uh, St. Louis. Um, I, I I just think Colorado's got something extra on St. Louis this year. Um, St. Louis is a year older; their D is fairly old, I believe. Um, I, I'm um, not a, I'm not a huge believer in um, uh, Jordan Binnington. Um, no, no, no. He, uh, Last year he was he was like fine, and St. Louis won a cup. Uh, I if he's fine again, I think that they they could go deep. But I still think that when when they meet up with Colorado, I think Nathan McKinnon is just the the level he's on. I don't think anybody on St. Louis is going to be able to stop him. You don't think Petrangelo, Harinko, Justin Falk. Maybe Vincent Dunn or Marco Scandella would be able to slow him down a little bit after I think, he gets I think to they, Shen or O'Reilly. 
I think they'd be able to slow him down, but I think over a seven game series, he's going to get enough chances to do a ton of damage against them. And I, I don't think, because you, you have to realize too, that like Rantanen is also an incredible talent and they've got Makar as well. So sure. St. Louis can get the puck deep and uh, like grind it out in the offensive zone, but Colorado's got the, the guys that can move the puck back up the other way really, really fast. And I don't know if St. Louis is going to be able to keep up with them in a transition game. I mean, that's, that's all well and good, but I'm just, I'm looking at Colorado's forward and defense. They don't have the same depth that St. Louis does. And I find depth wins series more than top line talent. Potentially. Like, I uh, just, I, I'm, I'm still, I don't know why. I'm a huge believer in Colorado. I think that they've, if they don't win it this year, then it's going to basically be me picking Colorado and Tampa as my finalists for the next like three or four years. Which, in my opinion, Colorado is going to win a cup in the next five years. I don't think it's this year. No. Um, which I which think is fair because, need... like, yeah, I, I think, like you said, they're, I don't know if I can think of another defenseman that they have other than Kale, uh, Kale McCarr. Exactly. <laughs> There's one thing. Yeah, and their their depth forwards, like their bottom six. I'm not 100 percent sure who else they have, but it's it's just um, that that top six that they've got. Um, yeah, when when you include McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Kadri, um, and shit, like who else do they have playing forward on the second line? I don't even know. Burakovsky. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's not bad. He just had a career year with 45 points in 58 games. Yeah. But let's not forget that um, he was their second highest point totaling player behind McKinnon, who had over 90. I yeah. know I are actually McCarr may have had a few more points than him. Let me just double check that. McCarr had 50. Okay. So he was their Burakovsky was the, the second highest point totaling forward on Colorado after McKinnon. And McKinnon almost doubled him in points. Yeah, that's why McKinnon should win the Hart Trophy this year. Absolutely. And that's why I'm saying Colorado doesn't get through St. Louis. Um, so after I uh, hype up Colorado, I'm going to take um, Tampa Bay as my cup winner this year. <laughs> Tampa Tampa's a team that you look at and you say they should win. A, they should be winning cups left, right, and center. They absolutely should be. There's no reason for them not to. Um and that's why I'm going to pick them this year. Now, quickly, what about a sleeper cup final? Like so, some teams that you think could go deep, but you didn't have like 100% confidence in picking them, you, but you wouldn't be surprised to see them in the finals. In the West, I'm going to go with Dallas. Okay. Because a lot of people, including myself, are counting them out, and I think that may come back to bite us. And in the East, ooh. In the East, I – oh, shit. I don't know who I want to say because I'm tempted to say Toronto. Yeah, that's, oh, that's just, my pick for the East. Like, I uh, – it, They could. It, they absolutely could go to the final. Um, I don't think it'll happen. I would be ecstatic if, if they did, obviously, but um, I just—I don't know if I could call Toronto a sleeper pick. You know, yeah, well, they are the eighth seed. Like, yeah, maybe sleeper pick isn't the right one. Maybe it's like a, maybe the the better um, wording is your backup cup finalist. Like the, yeah. the other the other two teams you wanted to pick that you were like going back and forth 
um, between. Yeah, I I think Dallas and I think Toronto. All right, Dallas that'd and be, Toronto. That'd be an interesting series. Yeah, I'd finally get to learn who plays for Dallas. Uh, <laughs> other than Jamie Ben and uh, Radulov and Sagan and Ben Bishop. Yeah, do they and, still have Ed Belfour? No, <laughs> does he still got Marty Turco in there? Yeah, do they still have Marty Turco? Yeah. How's Mike Medano doing this season? <laughs> uh, still, not, still hasn't hit fifteen hundred games, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, shit, I can't remember. Oh, who would be my other team for your Western team? Yeah, so I've it's... got the Leafs. Um, you know, honestly, if you'd asked me yesterday morning, I probably would have said the Jets. Uh, not the case anymore because it kind of looks like Shifley might be out for a while because he got cut by a skate. He didn't get cut by a skate. It was his. So here's what happened. He was going into the boards to do a to play a puck. Or Matthew, I'm used to saying Brady Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk came up behind him and was going to lay a hit. Okay. Uh, Shifley kind of turned back, and Matthew Matthew Kachuk looks like he was trying to stop up a bit. And when he did, his foot came up and it tapped Shifley's leg. And then Shifley went into the boards awkwardly. Okay. All right. um, Paul Paul Maurice, the Jets head coach, was very adamant that it was intentional and it was a dirty play, which I wouldn't necessarily put it past Matthew Kachuk to do something like that. It just didn't seem like the case. It seemed like he was genuinely trying to stop and pull up because he saw Shifley was turning. And it was just – misfortunate accident it's a lot different than from the cook and carlson thing where that you could argue looked intentional this one to me did not it looked like he was trying to stop up he lost an edge he kicked he definitely kicked shifley's skate i just don't think it was on purpose all right well yeah i i may have considered winnipeg as my uh my backup western team but i'm actually gonna go with vegas I was I was going back and forth between Dallas and Vegas, similar to St. Louis and Colorado. Yeah, I, so, it, so my my backup Cup final is uh, Vegas and Toronto. That would be fun. Yeah, Do and I, I don't Robin, think Toronto comes out of that one as the winner. Uh, I don't think so. I think Mark Stone kills you guys, and I think oh, who do you think sees more ice in the playoffs, Flurry or Leonard? Oh, I think they start off with Flurry, but he stumbles, and then Leonard takes them. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. kind of thinking similar because just what Flurry means to Vegas, pardon me, you got to give him that opportunity to fail, right? Yeah, exactly. And just, man, if they re sign Leonard, that's one of the nastiest tandems in the league. There's no way. He's going to be looking for, for a starting position. And even if Flurry is like uh, on the decline, um, Vegas is stuck with him. They signed for like him to- three more years, right? No, I think it's longer than that. I think they signed him to a seven-year deal or something. No way. I thought it was pretty long. Um, but, um, but yeah, anyways, we're running short on time here because I know you've got places to be. Uh, I'm, I'm, good till, I'm good for a little while, so if there's anything you want to do or talk about, we can. Well, I was just going to pop into our next little segment here, our double agent game. Yeah. Yeah, but is there anything else you wanted to say about uh, Cup finalists or the the Leafs game tonight? I I hope Austin Matthews gets at least one goal, 
And I hope, I really want to see Frederick Anderson play like he can. When he is at his best, he is a top five goalie in the league. His issue is he doesn't play at his best consistently enough to be considered a top five goalie in this league. So if he plays as good as he can, if he's steady Freddie, he'll be one of the best goalies in this playoffs. Yeah. And I want to see that happen. Because I think if Toronto gets that goaltending, there's no telling what they can do. So yeah, my big my biggest concern is how the Leafs play defensively. If they're not if they're not um playing well defensively, like even just up to their their ability, if they're scrambling in their own zone, uh if they're getting um, you know, caught in a cycle fr- by Columbus, um it's going to be really rough for them. So yeah. if if they can just if the Leafs defense play or if the Leafs play well defensively or play fine defensively, I think they're they're going to I think they'll dispose of uh, Columbus fairly quickly. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's just that issue of, you know, who the Leafs are putting out tonight, for how long and against who. Um, if the matchups don't go their way, then it's not going to be a fun night. So my, my biggest concern is the Leafs play defensively because uh, I think that also, when, when, they, when they're not playing well defensively, it really exposes Freddie, and then he looks like he's playing worse than he actually is. That's fair. Yeah. You'll, you'll know that more than I will. Also, I was just looking at Cap Friendly for Vegas. Fleury's only on the books for two more years. Oh, okay. Two more years isn't too bad. At seven mil. Oh, that's, that's not great. He is the third highest. He is tied for second highest paid player on Vegas with Pacioretty, only behind Mark Stone. Yeah, that's not fun. No. But you never know. We'll see what happens. That's right. And speaking of seeing what happens. Oh, fuck. Here we go. We've got our uh, latest edition of the double agent game. I just ran my number generator. I've got my three players. So um, for those of you that haven't tuned in before, uh, we're going to play the double agent game, which is uh, I, I've adapted it from a game played on the Puck Soup podcast where they call it uh, Name Pat Falloon. And that is actually an adaptation from another game, from another podcast, uh, Doug Loves Movies, and the game is called the Leonard Malton game. So the way it works is I've got a list of every player that has ever played for both the Senators and Maple Leafs at some point in their careers. Keegan's job is to guess which player I've chosen. Um, And the way he can do that is we've got 13 clues. We start off, I give him the first three clues, which are the player's current age, career games played, and the most recent team they played for. And then he's got to bet how many extra clues it takes him to uh, correctly name the player. And you can also play along by going to our Instagram story or our Instagram page and checking out our Instagram story. I'm going to put up all of the clues there. So make sure you play along before you hear the answer. Uh, If you guess correctly before Keegan does, we'll give you a shout out on the next podcast. So are you all set, Keeks? I'm all set. Let's do this. All right. So the players we have are uh, number three, number seven, and number 29. Which one do you want, A, B, or C? Let's go with C. C? Okay. 
Not the one I would have chosen, but I also know all of the answers. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, this one is definitely the hardest out of the three of them. Way to go, Keeks. Um, right. uh, well, I had to get through him eventually. Yeah. So, all right, this guy. Current age is 27. Okay. Um, career games played, 299. Most recently played for Winnipeg. How many more clues do you need to guess this guy? Hmm. Give me five. Five clues. So you think you'll get it on one, two, three, four, five. The years that he played in the NHL. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what, I, that's what I did with last time, so I'm going with it again. I'm coming. Okay. So your first clue, his amateur team was the University of Denver in the NCAA. Cool. Next clue. (laughs) (laughs) He is six foot one inches, one inch tall uh, and weighs 195 pounds, just like every other hockey player. Yeah. (laughs) Draft position. Third over, or sorry, third round, 82nd overall. Okay. It'll be a little harder to predict, but all right. Do you have any ideas yet? One or two. Okay. Well, you got to start talking or else this is just me listing off things. <laughs> yeah, like the most recently played for Winnipeg is throwing me off a, a little bit. Uh, oh, Jesus. Sorry. I get an emergency alert on my phone and it is, what's it telling me? Oh, it's reminding me of daylight saving time. Oh, no, it's a tornado oh, warning. Oh, frig off. Yeah, uh, just Ottawa in general. I got it too. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's great okay that's that's what i want to hear well well you're in the basement you're fine yeah yeah <laughs> that's fair but yeah just most recently played for winnipeg is kind of throwing me off a little bit not gonna lie yeah and he amateur team the university of denver six foot one inch tall 195 pounds drafted in the third round 82nd overall but he could still be he could still be playing for winnipeg so i was cycling through to see like, okay, who's on Winnipeg that played for Ottawa and Toronto? But you were saying third round by? Third round, 82nd overall by the LA Kings. Oh. Oh, that doesn't help. No, it, it, it doesn't. And um, I was actually surprised by that. I didn't know this about this player. Mm. Do you, like, do you know this player's name? Like you I do, know, I do know this player's name. Honestly, if you were the one testing me, I wouldn't have any. I, I wouldn't be able to name this guy. Okay. Well, give me um. What clue are we on? Four. That was four. So you've only got the years that he played left. Give it to me. I think I can get it. 2015 to 2020. So he's currently on the Jets. Okay. Who's currently on the Jets that played for Ottawa and Toronto? Let's see. Their first line is Blake Wheeler with Shifley and Line A. Nope, none of them. Uh, their third line is Ehlers with Connor and Brian Little. Nope, none of them. Who are their defensemen? Their defensemen are Pionk, um, DeMello, but DeMello never played for Toronto. He came straight from Vancouver, or Vancouver, San Jose. Who are their goalies? Hellebuck and um, oh, Francois. 
Uh, Brassois never played for either of Ottawa or Toronto. Neither did Hellebuck. Hellebuck was drafted by Winnipeg. It's so hard not to pick up my phone and look at the roster right now. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> I know I'd get it right away if I could. Who is on Winnipeg that played for Ottawa and Toronto? Shit. Who, who are their depth defensemen? Joel Armia is on Montreal now. <coughs> it's not him. Um, and I don't think he played for Winnipeg or Toronto. And I can't think of their other defensemen. Yeah, because there is DeMello, Morrissey. Um, oh, he could have also just been a call-up, though. And if he was just a call-up, that means he's probably he might be in the AHL right now. 2015. Who played for Ottawa and Toronto between 2015 and 2019? Ottawa only made one trade with Winnipeg this year, and that was DeMello, so it wasn't there. Toronto didn't make many trades this year, so I don't think it's from a trade from this year. So who played for Ottawa and Toronto between 2015 and 2019? Third-round pick. When, what year was he drafted? Have I gotten that clue yet? No. Okay. Well. You, you he, never get that clue. Okay. I wasn't too sure if I did. Yeah. Do you want your next one? Yeah, give me one more. Fuck all right, so now you're not gonna you're you are you are going to lose now. Wait, wait, what before I get it, what is the next clue? Combined points for Ottawa and Toronto. No. Uh, like the I don't want to admit defeat with that clue because that clue will not help me, you know? Honestly, just, okay. almost none of these, the remaining clues will help you, Keats. <laughs> no? Why not? Because no, that, that, that's the whole point of the game, <laughs> is that I'm giving you clues that's... that are not helpful. <laughs> oh, come on. You got to help me a little bit. So, like, who... yeah, remember, the, the next clue you get is the combined points he scored with Ottawa and Toronto, and then his nationality, his best season, in my opinion, then his jersey yeah. number, you get a choice between the Sens and the Leafs, and finally every team they played for. And honestly, like I, uh, you could give me all thirteen of these clues, and I would not guess this player. And then when you told me who it was, I'd feel stupid. So you're gonna feel stupid when I tell you who it is. Oh, probably. Oh, you absolutely will feel stupid. Um, who were guys that we got last year? Maybe it was just a guy who had a quick little stint in Ottawa. That is correct. You did not get him last year. You, we didn't get him last year? He was not okay, on Ottawa he, last year. Because the guy I was thinking was Cody Eakin, but I don't know if he was ever on Toronto, which I didn't realize when, he was on. Ottawa had Cody Eakin? When the hell did that happen? Last year at the deadline in the uh, stone trade. I think it was Cody Eakin. I could just be very wrong. I don't think so. I, I'm pretty. I'm almost no, positive. Cody, Cody Eakin has never been on Ottawa. At least he's never played a game for them. Then who did we get in the Stone trade? He was a depth guy who was just like a salary dump for Vegas. Let's see. You, Oscar Lindbergh was part of that because Ottawa's or. Oh, it was Lindbergh. Yeah. Yeah, it was. That's who I'm thinking of. That's who I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, wow. Ottawa. That's embarrassing. 
oh, Ottawa got Oscar Lindbergh and traded yes. Tobias Lindbergh to Vegas because Ottawa's yes. acquired and reacquired and yeah, but, uh, a Tobias Lindbergh a ton of times. Uh, yeah, it's nobody involved in the stone trade. Okay. I shit. I don't. I. Yeah. Okay, give me combined points. I will admit defeat because I have no idea. Okay, combined points. Um, four. What? <laughs> yeah, I'll what? I'll, do- I'll double check, but uh, four. Oh my god. Was he a goalie then? No, because they don't have any. Yep, four points combined between Ottawa and Toronto. Oh, God. Um, one thing, I do not like saying that I quote-unquote lose when I go over my hints. Uh, oh, no, that, that's how the game works. You lost. Oh, come on. <laughs> now you're just playing for fun. Um, so, yeah, so combined points for nationality. He's American, USA. Um, I don't. I know. I don't think this guy ever played for Ottawa, but I know he started the year on Toronto and um, is currently on Winnipeg. Nick Shore. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Yeah, that's Nick Shore. (laughs) When did Nick Shore play for Ottawa? (laughs) um in his uh, best season of his career in my opinion in 2017-18 he played six games for ottawa yeah he played six games for ottawa keeks and scored one point for the senators he also played for the kings and flames in that same series same season so he got 23 points in that uh, 23 how many I thought it was 23, 16, 17, five, uh, 15, 16, oh, 19, 19 points. Yeah, I only, I only know he's on the Jets because I watched the game yesterday. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have had no idea. Yeah, Nick Shore. Because I was like, Roslovich is a Winnipeg product. Uh, La- is it Adam Lowry? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, he's a Winnipeg product. I'm just searching up the Jets right now. Uh, Latestu, I don't think ever played for either Ottawa or Toronto. And I just, I didn't know Nick Shore was on Ottawa. I yeah, six games. Because he was the only one where I was like, oh, I know that guy. And he's like, I know he played for Toronto. So yeah. maybe he played for Ottawa and I just didn't know. And frig, turns out I was right. Well, hey. Uh, advantage to watching the hockey games is I don't look like a complete idiot, just a somewhat idiot. Okay, Nick Shore. Nick Shore was part of the uh, Dion Phaneuf and Marion Gabrick trade. Was he? Yeah. That's why we left. Nick Nick Shore was traded to Ottawa along with Marion Gabrick in exchange for Dion Phaneuf and Nate Thompson. Oh, I remember that now. I forgot that there are other pieces in that. I thought it was like Fanuf, pardon me, for Gabrick and like a fourth or something. And then Ottawa at the deadline traded him to Calgary for a seventh round pick. So we traded Fanuf for Fanuf and Nate Thompson for Gabrick and a seventh. Essentially, yeah. Oh, well, great. And we're still retaining Fanuf's salary until 
2023. Yeah, which is funny because uh, the Kings bought him out. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Um, all right, yeah, so great job there, Keeks. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Very funny that uh, I think once again, it was like the second, the first or second clue after your your limit that you managed to name the player, which is hilarious, but uh, good job. A little, a little frustrating. We've only got 29 players left on this list now. Oh, so we got half a year worth of product. Good. That's right. Good, good, good. And actually, um, seeing as we're getting towards the end of our uh, pregame portion of the episode, do you want to tell uh, everybody what our plans going forward are? Yes. So uh, we were going to start this with the exhibition game, but it just kind of, Jordan and I were both kind of exhausted and we just kind of figured, ah, we'll just save it for the playoffs. So we want to start by doing a, we're going to call it an instant analysis of the Leafs playing series games. Meaning Jordan and I are obviously going to watch the games. And then as soon as the games are done, we're going to hop on and we're going to record like mini little analysis. Probably we're thinking between like 15, 20 minutes, maybe 10 minutes if the game wasn't too interesting. Uh, and just talk about what we noticed, what we liked, what we didn't like. And it's, this is going to be a trial run for when the 2020-2021 season starts because we want to do those instant analysis for Leaf Sens games. So we're going to try it out for a few games here. If we like it and if we don't feel like we're going to get burnt out, we may continue it for the playoffs. Uh, but if we feel like doing that plus the show itself might be a little too much, then we may dial it back with the instant analysis and we're doing it for some of the games. Yeah, so I, I think right now the plan is tonight is going to be a test run. So this episode is going to be a test run. Um, we're kind of fortunate that uh, Monday's a holiday in Ontario. Um, yes. So uh, we don't have to worry about going to work, but it may not be an every Leafs game thing uh, just because both Keegan and I are still working. And if we wanted to record like after an eight o'clock Leafs game, um, we're very well going to be up until beyond midnight and then that's going to affect our work in the morning so um it's going to be a bit of a, a test run today um but at the very least we are planning on doing weekly episodes going forward in the playoffs yes so now instead of every other sunday we're going to try and record every sunday yeah, or well, saturday but uh, depending every on what our schedule is so you can expect a new episode coming out every monday now yes that's our plan yeah we feel like now that hockey is actually ramping up there'll be a lot more stuff to talk about a lot more drama and controversy so obviously more content means we can do shows more often yeah so with that um, i think we can skip our um pop culture section here of what we've been watching and stuff because i believe the answer to that is going to be uh nothing yeah hockey entire days of hockey so uh that that's what i'll suggest everybody go and watch is just uh turn on sportsnet and cbc and stuff and just uh park yourself uh, park yourself on the couch every day, all day. I watched 10 hours of hockey yesterday. Oh. I started at 2, and I did not leave the couch until I fell asleep during the Calgary-Winnipeg game at about 12.30. Yeah. And I'm pretty excited for that. And also, shout out, uh, the, the puckheads are hitting the ice again tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some ice. We're going to go try out some uh, COVID hockey going to see how this is with all the new rules and stuff in place but i i am so excited to get back on the ice um 
but yeah, we're, we're running a little long here. And like Keegan said, we're going to do our uh, instant analysis after the game tonight. So uh, we've got to save a little bit of time for that. So uh, you're just, you're all going to hear just a, a quick pause in the podcast. Um, but uh, it's going to be several hours for us. So uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon. See you then, guys. So 3-2 wasn't enough goals, eh? You thought they were going to score more than that? You know, it, it makes sense. This this whole uh, playoff so far is not going the way that any, at least either of us expected anything to. So, you know, why the hell should we be right about more than one thing? Which, speaking of that, means in a... In an essence, I'm still right about my predictions in that they're not going to go the way I thought they would. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but- two, two nothing loss to the uh, Blue Jackets in the first game. Um, that, it, it was you so look rough. frustrated. Uh, you look frustrated right now. Columbus played so well. Like, that's why, that's why I'm frustrated. Because they, they, they did everything that they needed to do to shut the Leafs' offense down. Um, they played perfectly. So like all props to the blue jackets. Um, if they play that way for another, you know, two games or the best of, uh, the remaining four, um, then yeah, the, they, they'll be the deserved winner. If, if that's the case. That's fair. One thing, the big, some of the things I want to highlight, what the hell's wrong with Mitch Marner? Like, did he not look like he couldn't complete or take a pass to save his life in that game? Uh, I think it's probably a combination of a few things. Like, the, just the way that the Blue Jackets were playing, I think they were taking away a lot of the passing lanes he likes to use. Um, he, he kept trying to look across, uh, across the seam, and there was just nothing. Um, so that, that's when he looks the most dangerous, is when he has those, those cross-seam lanes uh, to put the puck through. And they just weren't there tonight. Uh, the, the other thing is that, uh, this was the second game that was played on this sheet of ice today. And, um, the, the first one ended like an hour and a half before this one started. Uh, yeah, there seemed like a lot of players were losing an edge and they didn't have like the grip that they usually do. I saw a lot of players falling today. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a theme throughout the playoffs. Uh, it's, it's, it's just the, the ice isn't going to be able to keep up with how many games are being played on it. There's no way that they can repair the ice between games if there's only an hour and a half. Um, so we're going to see, like, as the playoffs and stuff go on, um, at least over the next couple of weeks here, while we've still got, like, 24 and then 16 teams competing, um, I, I think we're going to see, like, some pretty uh, low-quality ice um, for the time being. Uh, and that that Not- is the other thing that uh, I think – um, really impacted Marner as well. And, and some of the other Leafs skilled players is just that, uh, yeah, you know, like the ice is soft, the puck is bouncing all over the place. They can't do the things that they normally do. And when they try to, it, it just doesn't work out for them. Not, not to be a pain, but it sounds like you're making excuses. Well, no, like the, the first reason why Marner didn't look great was because Columbus did a great job shutting him down. Like, that's the main reason. The secondary reason, I think, and like I said, you're going to see it with all teams, um, not just the Leafs. And that it's just a, a, a fact. Like, they're not going to be able to keep the ice in pristine condition 
when there's two or three games being played on it a day. It's just not not going to happen. So, um, you know, teams like the Leafs that typically rely on more skilled plays are going to have to adapt to that. And they're going to have to, uh, you know, you got to limit the number of saucer passes you're throwing out there or like uh, rink wide um, on the ice passes as well. Because there's just going to be so many ruts, divots and bumps and stuff that uh, you're not going to be able to connect on those kinds of plays. Yeah. And with Columbus's style of uh, like chip and chase, gritty defense, big, yeah, like that's pull not going to affect and them. Shovel as much. it at the net, yeah, it doesn't affect them as much because, like, how, like a lot of times they're relying on the puck to bounce around and cause issues for the defenders, so it just helps them out, right? Plus, can we talk about how Pierre Luc Dubois looks like an excellent player right now? Yeah, like I, he, let's uh, not I, forget I, that when he was he was drafted the same year as Austin Matthews, and he was taken third overall. Yeah, and everyone thought that was a huge reach by Columbus. Yeah, because they or they uh, they took him over uh, Pulleyarvi, which now looks like a great idea. But oh yeah, well it, it it's still tough to judge that because there's more to it than just his his play that's keeping him out of the league. It's uh, yeah, true know, situation. Other factors. Yeah. Uh, but Pierre-Luc Dubois looked like the best player on the ice, to, or like the best forward on the ice tonight, in my opinion. He was winning puck battles. He was using his big, solid frame to protect the puck, control play, and he was making great passes, and he was out-muscling all of the Leafs' defensemen. The only player I saw give him a hard time was obviously Jake Muzzin. Yeah, yeah, Muzzin played pretty well for the Leafs, but uh, yeah, I'll agree that uh, Dubois was one of the best forwards for um Columbus and this Robinson guy. Who the hell is that? Where did he come I'm, from? Why is he so not fast? A clue. Not a clue. But apparently he's a thousand. He skates at a thousand kilometers an hour. Yeah, like the you know the friggin' Jim and Craig on the Sportsnet yeah. broadcast. They wouldn't stop talking about how fast he was. But like they, it was legit because every time it, it, it looked like Morgan Riley. Every single time the guy was in a puck race with Riley, Riley was skating at like a casual pace, and then he's like, "Oh shit, it's that guy." Okay, he's going yeah. really fast. Uh, I feel really bad for Freddie. Like, yeah, that, that, of all that was shots, the, that, was, that a, was the one that beat him. Are I, you serious? I, I'm sure Amanda could attest to it, but uh, when that one went in, I would just like yelled, like, oh, fuck, of course. Like, that's the one. <laughs> of course. After he makes that huge pad save in the second period, like the first shot on him in the third goes in and it's from the top of the circles with no screen. Fuck. Yeah. Um, after the Leafs had like a minute straight of I know, pressure that, against Columbus. such the killer is that whenever the Leafs have that kind of pressure going on in the offensive zone and then a rush comes back the other way, it's always like, well, here we go. You know what that goal reminded me of? What's that? Uh, early in the season, 2016-2017, uh, Toronto versus Winnipeg. The first Matthews versus Line A game oh, in yeah. overtime. Okay. Matthews gets the breakaway, gets stopped. Winnipeg throws the puck down to uh, um, Patrick Line A, comes down the same side, the right side, and he's a right shot and puts it in the exact same yeah. spot. Uh, I, I saw on Twitter um, somebody uh, compared it to um, Joe Newendike scoring on Patrick Oleen. Just, it, I don't think it was to that same extent. Um, I think that was a sense fan that was kind of like uh, exaggerating, oh, uh, yeah, exaggerating what uh, this shot was because, like, this one was. It, it, I I don't know if I'd say it was like a terrible goal. It looked like it was a pretty solid shot. Um, it, it got Freddie in a weird spot, and then it just kind of 
slid through. Um, whereas those uh, Joe Newendike goals on Patrick Laleem in the early 2000s, those ones were like shot at Laleem and went through him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, two guys on Columbus I really want to highlight are, is their top defensive pair. Morensky uh, yeah. and Jones were unbeatable tonight. Yeah. You know, like I, I was noticing, I, I, I didn't notice what players it was early on in the game. It wasn't until the broadcast pointed out that Seth Jones was the one that was following uh, Matthews around all the time. But yeah. once I did uh, clue in that it was Jones, like I didn't realize how huge that guy is. He's massive. He, he is a big lad. Like, like I understand why people are saying that he might be Norse caliber. Yeah, he, he really did a good job on, uh, on shutting down the Leafs' top line. Um, it, even more, even Morensky, who's known to be an offensive defenseman yeah. with a lot of defensive flaws, he had a solid game in his own end, and he laid that huge hit on Matthews as well. Yeah, I was kind of pissed off with that. Matthews never touched the puck on that. Yeah, it's it was a battle for the puck, and then that like finish that Warrenski put on Matthews that could have been a penalty. At yeah, least it, it, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know. And then that's, CC that, that's got the two tripping penalties. Me, man, they've got a staple. Like they've got to lock <laughs> that guy in the press box and throw the key into the sewers of downtown Toronto. Like fuck, I I know that our choices of who to sub in for him are like Callie Rosen and Martin Marinson, but you know what? Or Rasmus Sandin. I guess that's true, Rasmus Sandin. But yeah, like fuck, one of them has got to be has got to do better than CC. Like I. It sucks because uh, he's such a whipping boy for the team. But, like... Holy, it's not undeserved. Holy shit. Like, I'm sure he's a nice guy and stuff, but god damn. Well, I mean, uh, some he of the set his friend on fire. <laughs> accidentally. And it wasn't yeah. his friend. I thought it was his... Was it his girlfriend or his friend's girlfriend? Uh, I think it was his friend's girlfriend. Yeah, I don't remember the details of it, but uh, yeah, that that's not why he should be put in the press box. He should be put in the press box because he can't make a two-foot fucking pass. Um, there was one play. Hey, everybody. Uh, we had some technical difficulties recording the last little bit of the episode, so unfortunately we had to uh, cut it a little bit shorter than we wanted to. Um, hopefully we'll have that fixed up for you for next weekend when we uh when we release our new episode so just a reminder uh we're gonna be going to one episode per week now instead of one every two weeks so uh you know hopefully we'll uh we'll talk to you again soon and uh go leafs go thanks